Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Life insurance. What's your excuse for putting it off? Can't afford it? Too much hassle? Think your work coverage is enough? There's a lot of excuses for putting off life insurance, but one big reason why you shouldn't. If the unexpected were to happen to you, who would pay the mortgage? the kids' tuition, and all the other bills. In a time of grief, the last thing you would want is for your family to have to sell the house and struggle to survive financially. At Ethos, we could get you covered in just 10 minutes and boom, family protected. Rates can increase the longer you wait, so no more excuses. Take 10 minutes today and discover the modern way to get the life insurance coverage you need. Ethos, fast and easy online term life insurance. Up to $2 million in coverage with no medical exam. Some policies as low as a dollar a day. Answer a few health questions and get your free quote at ethoslife.com slash audio. That's ethoslife.com slash audio. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Another edition of the Starting 502 Podcast. As always, your host of the most impressive admirer, Jacob Lane, J-Man in the house. We also got a very special guest joining us today. We'll we'll hold off on, on the introductions until a little bit later. Andrew Zoldan from Inside TBT Podcast is going to be joining us. First, for, first things first, a little housekeeping. Talk about a little Louisville basketball before we get into the TBT. First things first, though, Jacob, how are you? Are you surviving the heat? Are you good? You don't look too sweaty. Not right now, no, but I, I seven, eight shirts in two days is when you know that the, the heat is a real problem. So very sweaty, but uh, I'm doing good. Glad to talk some basketball, uh, some definitely some things to talk about. Uh, and I'm excited to get back into Freedom Hall in a couple of weeks for TVT. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be, as the kids say, Liddy. Oh, oh it's going to be so Liddy. It's going to be Liddy. As a- they say turnt still. I think they say turnt. I think it's oh, permissible to say turnt, but there's that. Uh, before we get into TBT, though, I mean, I would say Louisville's roster is still a little bit in flux, and that, that's kind of the first thing I want to get into really quickly. Louisville's entire roster is, is on campus. They've been working out, with the exception of one very big piece in Tyler Johnson. Tyler, Tyler. I, I'm, I'm a little concerned. I'm a little concerned about, about Tyler because – I think that people were just relieved to see that Louisville got another point guard in the offseason, whether it be a, a sixth-year senior or a, or a reclass junior to a, to a high school senior incoming freshman. 
Like, I think people were just relieved to see that that Louisville had another ball handler in case the Sky Clark experience doesn't work out. Uh, but as of right now, as far as we know, uh, Tyler Johnson, I don't know if it's an eligibility issue. I don't know if he's still finishing up some classes. Not exactly sure what's going on there. But, but uh, Jacob, any thoughts on Tyler Johnson and, and where does Louisville go if this doesn't pan out? Well, it's interesting. I want to first kind of backtrack a little bit because you made a comment about in case the Sky Clark, you know, experiment doesn't work out. And I want to kind of caveat that by saying, really, we the way that it's not going to work out is if he becomes L. Ellis and there is nobody to back up. You know, obviously that was the major flaw last year from the guard position was that it was just such a steep drop to Hersey Miller to Fabio Basile. So this year, a guy like Tyler Johnson is going to be a, a, a bit of a step up, if you will. Definitely still a learning curve from a point guard. Still a lot of the responsibility on Sky. But Tyler was going to obviously, you know, relieve some of that stress, stress and pressure, pressure. Goodness gracious, man. And allow for Sky Clark to, to get some rest and be able to be more efficient. Uh, so it's concerning that he's not, not here, but... Summer school just started this week, the last session, and that's how you got a guy like TJ Capers on the football side and rolling. For the fall semester, which will get started in the early part of August, there's still time to enroll and get here, all of those things. So I don't think it's a necessarily a, a major, like, sound the alarm type of deal today, but I do think it is concerning that a guy who's ranked 77th in the country is going to be a four-star guard coming in, likely going to have an impact. Uh, and when you talk about the freshmen and where they shake out, I know you're really high on him being an impact player. And regardless of whether you think he's going to be that or just a slightly better uh, version of last year, which is just all they really need, it's concerning, man, because there's just, again, there's not enough ball handlers, right? And we get back into this same conversation we had last year of, you know, well, Karan Davis can handle the ball. And, and I do think he is going to probably end up being the ul- the ultimate backup point guard. So, you know, kind of exclude him. But, you know, Trenton Flowers, the, the 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 some of the other names that you – Trey Whites, right? These other guys that are coming in. We heard last year how all these players were going to be ball handlers. But when the pressure was on, nobody wanted to handle the ball. They fumbled the bag every time. And so this year, even if you have guys like Trey White playing guard for limited minutes, that's totally fine. But you do not want them coming out of what they're good at to try to take on something as a bigger responsibility that has a huge impact on getting an offense starting. No, you want somebody that has instinctual point guard offensive abilities to be in there. And that's I'm not necessarily saying Tyler Johnson is going to come in and set the world on fire. He's more of a scorer than a passer. But you need that. You need that really bad. And that's a major concern. I think that it matters less now than it did 10 years ago or even five years ago to have the, the true point guard. Like, I think that that is going away in a sense, but the co- college game is a bit different than the international game or the NBA game uh, where, you know, in the NBA, it's pretty much, you know, th- there's very few Chris Pauls left out there, right? Like there's very few Russell Westbrooks that are a true point guard. Like perfect examples, you know, you look at the Celtics, you look at the Lakers, you look at, at the, the Nuggets. Like a lot of these teams, you know, that were really successful in, in the league, uh, because of the spacing and because of the 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 shorter shot clock and because of the the uh, you know longer game clock and and the way that they call fouls and the way that that the game is spread out and and uh, it, it's it's more everybody is is a distributor and a ball handler unless you have one guy initiating the offense quarterbacking if you will that's still kind of a thing in college uh, and we saw last year um, when when you don't have a guy who can quarterback the offense, just how ugly it can get. 
I mean, and trust me, it got ugly last year. Sky Clark does have experience playing, you know, heavy minutes. Like he, you know, people talk about he doesn't have a ton of experience, but when he played, he played quite a bit uh, at Illinois last season, uh, average 25 minutes a game. So I think if Louisville, Louisville can probably get 28 to 30 minutes a game out of Sky Clark, but I don't know. Do you trust Karan Davis and Hersey Miller filling in the rest of those minutes? Or is it, uh, you know, I, I think Tyler Johnson was kind of the perfect fit there. I mean, a true New York city style point guard, maybe not a guy that's going to come in and set the world on fire, but a guy that can come in and, and uh, not Just be spark. Passive. Yeah. And spark. Right. I mean, the, the most frustrating thing for me last year was when, when Hersey and Fabio were in, no, they didn't want the ball. They didn't want to dribble. They wanted to pass the ball as soon as they got it. It was like, it, it was almost like as if they were scared of that moment. And look, these guys are college basketball players. They're definitely not. Uh, but you want somebody like that has that confidence and, and can spark it at, off the bench and just go out and one night, like I told you, my prediction for him was that he was going to be like one big time joker in the thief set off type of moment where he goes for 20 and a half, you know, just something stupid like that. Like that's what he does. And that's what he's capable, capable of. Um, and without him, you know, I think Kenny has a lot of confidence in Karan Davis. We're going to get into that when we talk about this interview that he did with John Rothstein. I think Kenny believes that Karan Davis can play the point guard spot and also be their, one of their top shooters. But uh, I, I still think that he's kind of approaching this team as if I think Tyler Johnson's going to be here. You know, I don't think there's necessarily, you know, from what I can hear and what I've heard, I don't necessarily know at this point if they have a firm decision one way or another, like if they know or they don't know that he's coming, I still think it's up in the air. And so with that, I think Kenny's operating as if he's going to be here and that point guard competition is still going to happen when he does arrive between him and Karan Davis. So, you know, it's not the end of the world that he's not here, but we'll see because the, the clock is ticking. We have a hard deadline approaching in less than a month. If that deadline comes and goes, are there options out there for Louisville? Is there, there could be out there that you're looking at? There could be. The portal right now is really bare. Um, uh, Javon Quinterly from Alabama was a name that kind of got that mentioned with Louisville, but he signed with Memphis and Penny Hardaway yesterday, which makes Memphis a legitimate player nationally. They're going to have such a fun team to watch. Uh, but there's also guys out there that are still available, like a Jose Perez from West Virginia. Um, there's some other names that are kind of less sexy. Trey Woodbury, who played at Utah Valley, has some questions about eligibility. These are guys that could play at that, that D1 you know, Power 5 level. But um, I don't think that any of those are fits for Louisville at this point. I don't think that they would take anyone. Um, I would watch for a potential reclassification. Like I would watch for a player maybe in the class of 2024 who enrolls in January and joins the team on that last scholarship, if that happens, right? I don't, I'm not saying we're at that point yet, but that's what I would watch for. There is going to be some more portal action, I think, over the next couple of weeks. But for the most part, I think it's going to be uh, Louisville probably would not add somebody who will play minutes this year. So, again, you're right back in that spot last year. And it really brings up the question, well, what did Kenny learn from last year, right? And that's, if you're cool with that, I want to talk about this podcast interview because I thought it was really fascinating, um, not only because of the discourse that it created online between fans of, you know, oh, it's great to, to hear from Kenny too. He said everything wrong to, you know, why, why are we hanging on every word? There's so many different opinions on this. But what I ultimately walk away is kind of the big thing for me that I am most frustrated about with Kenny Payne is that he's what Louisville fans, I, what I want to hear, and maybe Presley, this is a completely wrong interpretation of fans. I never try to be one that pretends that I have like a voice of all the fans. But what I want to hear from him is, damn it, we just want to win. I have not heard him say that one time. That whole interview is about learning in adversity, being prepared, becoming young you know, adults and, and fine men. And all that is great. 
Like you got to have a little bit of that and also a little bit of that edge to want to win. But I, I'm just simply not hearing from Kenny. And maybe it's just that's not how he speaks. That's not in his vernacular. That's not kind of his approach. Winning is a byproduct of doing these other things. But my God, man, I listened for 25 minutes. And we're going to talk about what he said about the, what he learned from last year. Because that's 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 the kind of stuff that fans really have the right to kind of say, hey, what what the heck? But I just want to hear him say more than anything, we want to go out this year and we want to win. We want to win basketball games. We want to make the NCAA tournament. We want to prove that last year was a fluke. But, but instead, what you got was this hodgepodge answer of blaming the NCAA and the death penalty and these unfortunate cards that were dealt to him. And all of that is true to some extent, but it did not, in my opinion, limit them last year from winning more than four games. No, no chance, right? <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at on that. So, Kenny, just tell us you want to win, man. Just remind us one time for the one time that you want to win. Like, that's just what I want to hear. Name some teams that are here locally. Spalding, Bellarmine, obviously, is, I mean, Scott Davenport could could be a high-level D1 coach if you wanted to be. Let's just say Spalding's basketball coach took over at UofL. Do you think that that Louisville could go to a five-win season last year with that with Spalding's head coach? Probably not. Spalding doesn't get five wins. <laughs> <laughs> they don't get five wins themselves, man, with the coach they have now, let alone yeah. he jumps up five levels in ultimate. No, I don't, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I, I get where you're coming from with that, but no, like that's, okay. yeah, that's silly. Uh, but, but, but Scotty, I think, I think he can win 20 games with this. Yeah, exactly. You, you, you know? give Scotty Davenport that, that roster. I think they win 12, 15 games. I don't think they have a problem with that. Now the coaching style would be completely different. <laughs> Could you imagine LL is playing on the Scott Davenport team? I can't. No, you know, I, I can't really picture any of them playing on a Scott Davenport team. But it would be <laughs> think about that at its max, though, right? You got you got L out there passing the ball, setting it up like you know. Uh, I cannot remember uh, CJ. Um, oh, it's going to kill me that I cannot remember his last name. He was their point guard for the first Flynn. couple of years. Anyways, Fleming. Fleming. Yes, CJ Fleming. Yes, Fleming. that's his name. That's correct. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So you had guys like him who were just out there orchestrating and they're balling and they're balling. And then you got these lanky fours that are cutting and they're getting dunks and they're shooting threes. Like I literally can't even imagine plug and playing anyone from last year's roster into that. But it would be fun if they were trained to play under that. That'd be a hell of a time to watch that. I, I guess the, the the point that I'm getting at is that everybody had had a play in last season. The players had a play in, in going – having a four win season. That's why you get rid of most of them. The administration had a play in this. Probably most of all, the coaching staff had a play in this. They had a hand in, in making the roster what it was. And it's their job to make sure that it is it's never what it what it was. It was it's not it's not supposed to be what it was last year, right? It's their job to to try to solve and figure out how to squeeze the most out of out of the roster that you have. And that just didn't happen. I understand maybe kind of just starting from square one, but I mean, you get halfway through the season and Kenny's like, no, this isn't the worst you're going to see. It's going to get worse. What are people supposed to take away from that? Like, I understand that you kind of have to peel things away and, and break things before they, before they start to heal correctly. Right. But at the same time, like that's not, that's not what people want to hear. And by the same token, you know, you know, Jacob, you're talking about you want to hear Kenny Payne talk about winning. It reminds me of a coach that we know uh, all too well down the road. He has to, like, go out of his way during a press conference and say, I want to win, I want to win. 
I think every coach wants to win, but it'd be nice to hear things that, that reflect that uh, because I mean, Kenny Payne is obviously hired to, to make sure that he guides the team in a way that would lead them to success and lead the players to success. But he's also hired to win games and he's going to lose his job if he doesn't win games. So I think that's an important thing to at least recognize. And you're right. A lot of his answers to questions don't seem to be indicative of such. They seem to be indicative of a guy who is, you know, all, all, all he wants to talk about is the same stuff that like a John Calipari wants to talk about. Right. It's that, you know, we want to get guys to the league. We want to see players develop into great young men. Those are great things to say when you're 10 and two or 20 and six or something like that. But those are not answers that you should be comfortable giving on the heels of a four win season when you lost to Bellerman and Lipscomb and App State. And, you know, you're losing by 40 to Arkansas and they, you only lose by 35 because they call off the dogs or like, you know, you get housed by Cincinnati or you get, you know, you, you get just drilled by all, all of these teams in your conference. I mean, Louisville is, we should be talking, like, we should be talking about this team being double by every single year in the ACC tournament. Yeah. That should be the expectation. The expectation should be final fours. And we're talking about like, no, maybe we'll win 15 games this year. I don't know. Maybe we'll win 20 games. Like, and that that's just not going to cut it, man. Like you're, you're like, even with all of the, the benefit of the doubt that Kenny Payne is, is getting from, from fans and from the administration, you do, you do, a, a, if you have a year even remotely resembling what last year was like, and you're gone this year, like he's, he's got to, in my opinion, I mean, you got to be at least very damn close to an NCAA tournament. I don't know if I look at this roster and think, all right, well, that's, that's something that's going to happen this year. And that's incredibly disheartening. The, the last thing I'll say, and then Jacob, I'll let you jump in here, is, is you look at multiple examples across the country last year uh, of, of programs that are not as historically great as Louisville, that don't have the advantages or the fan base or the money or the, the exposure that a Louisville has, right? And yet these coaches come in and they turn teams from absolute shit into a success story. There, there are, are a number of those just from last season alone uh, and from the last five or six seasons, right? And Kenny Payne comes in and Louisville goes from really bad to inexplicably worse. I think people were trying to get him to answer for that a little bit, and he's pretty much just kind of tap dancing around that. That's kind of what I got from, yeah. from, from the interview. You're spot on. And I think, look, at the end of the day, like, you know, because a lot of people have been saying, oh, we want to hear from Kenny. We want to hear more. Why is he not doing local media more? Why is he not talking more? You know, all of those questions and they're valid to some extent, but like he doesn't owe anyone anything here in terms of speaking and doing availability. Would it be a benefit? Would it help him? Probably to some extent, but I also think that fans are right now ready to destroy every word that he says until he wins basketball games. Right. And so that part of it is kind of tricky for him. I think he could say things a lot better and do, you know, more to kind of sell, you know, the improvements. And, and he don't get me wrong. He did a great job of talking about the recruiting class. And what really stood out is he said something like we went four and 29 last year and have a top five recruiting class walking in. That says a lot about us. And that's true. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you you have to to prove that you can win basketball games and that you can be uh, at the top of the top when it comes to being a blue blood program like they have been. And if you look at Tommy Lloyd at, at Arizona, I think that's the, the closest example to Kenny Payne. 
he turned Arizona around almost overnight and he did so with, you know, good coaching. Like, yeah, he had some solid recruiting. He landed some, some really good guys and he had some pieces left over, but his coaching is what made Arizona such a dynamic team in his first season. Um, and, and, and really the player development. And that's the big thing with Kenny that you didn't see last year was guys getting better. Um, and, and so, you know, that speaks to, overhauling the roster and he did that check right he did all that and then it speaks to on on the off the court right he is doing everything right and he's doing it so well you know from connecting and doing events in the west end to the book readings at schools to doing the you know the 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 health drives to you know having these ticket season these season ticket holder events that are very intimate small events where he's speaking openly and he's probably talking a lot more in depth about these things uh, but he's also inviting guys back like Peyton Siva and Damian Lee and and Taekwon Dean and these big name Louisville players um, who can really impact and speak life into the team. And I think that all that stuff is great. Um, and all that stuff is adding up to moving the needle for the program getting better. But look, at the end of the day, man, if you don't come out next season and show that you can win basketball games and that, that Brandon Hundley Hatfield and JJ Trainer can be and Mike James can take a big step and that you can get the most out of a guy like Trenton Flowers and Dennis Evans and, and Karan Johnson or uh, Karan Davis and these guys like that, like you can make them fit and you can show that, that, that last year was really a fluke. And that's what we're all waiting for. And until that happens, no matter what Kenny Payne does, it's not going to be good enough for a lot of people. Um, and it's going to be for a lot of people who are angry. It's going to be, you know, for the fans that that, that does satisfy, it's going to be like, how does that satisfy you? And that's where we are. And that's unfortunate, but that's where we are, where we are. And it's a, a very decisive time for basketball. Um, but the good news is, though, is that there is some some basketball coming around the corner that should be a lot of fun and should have a lot of winning. Um, and that's that's not Louisville Cardinal necessarily uh, University of Louisville, but it's a lot of guys that a lot of people know uh, and I would imagine are going to turn out in big numbers to see. Yep. TBT, man. Uh, and we, we cannot wait to get into it. Honestly, it really couldn't have come in, in a better year, right? Uh, because this summer seems infinitely longer than usual because you didn't have anything in the way of, of March Madness in Louisville, right? You didn't have anything in the way of – I mean, you, you do have, like, some football offseason talk, but you didn't have anything in the way of, of, of baseball. Like, there's really been no local sports scene at all in Louisville uh, so it, it's going to be nice to see the return of so many players that brought so many great moments and kind of get like the vibe and the energy back to where it is. Now, I will say <laughs> it could be a terrible thing if, if, if the TBT team is awesome and it's great to watch uh, during the offseason and then all of a sudden we you come hit, back, you hit basketball season and like, <laughs> you got like, like three different guys with six turnovers and you're losing uh, to, you know, Chippewa State or something like that, like. That, that would certainly not uh, be helpful, but it, it will be fascinating to watch. I know we've gotten to it quite, quite a bit, but we want to make this kind of the dedicated TBT preview podcast. And who better to talk to than Andrew Zoldon of Inside TBT Podcast, uh, a guy who probably is more informed than anyone out there. Literally. In, in, in regards to what TBT teams look like. Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's crucial because – a lot of fans don't know how TBT works. You know, they have the, the Elam ending, which I'm not sure every fan is familiar with. Uh, they have a lot of players that you may not have remembered from college that went over and had great overseas careers, or they were like, you know, an eighth or ninth man in the NBA for a while. And now they're kind of, 
you know, this is like their last ditch effort of, of getting back into the league. There's a lot of players that you, that you might not remember as a casual or even a passionate fan of, of college basketball that are really successful in the TBT tournament and that are really talented. Uh, it's not going to be a cakewalk for Louisville starting with their very first game. That's why we are, we are bringing on Andrew and the expert on, on TBT. Jacob, any, any thoughts before we get in, into things with uh, Andrew about this team as a whole, what you're excited to see, what you're nervous about, what you got? Yeah, I, I'm, I am so excited for this. This is, you know, uh, kind of like a culmination of several years because I've been watching TBT um, probably back since 2018. Um, for those of you who are Louisville natives, the name Remy Abel may bring a bell to you. I went to high school with him and have cl- followed him really closely as he went to Indiana and then ultimately to Xavier play for Chris Mack. And he played for um, uh, sideline cancer, which has been one of the best teams in TBT historically over the last couple of years. Uh, he actually played with Trey Lewis on that team last year, which was really cool to watch. But um, I've been watching the tournament for a while. There's been a, a number of guys from Louisville um, who have participated. Jerry Smith is a, is a vet uh, early on vet back in 2015, 16, he played Preston Knowles is another guy who spent a lot of time in TVT. We obviously during the bubble uh, got really into it with Ryan McMahon playing for the, for the red scare uh, when he was putting on a show. Right. And they're like, who, whose brother got in the door and got a Jersey from their <laughs> team, you know, that kind of deal. And so it's been, it's been building. The excitement has been building here. I don't know what happened last year, whatever we're, we're past it. We got a team and this is a legitimate team that day one, they are going to step onto the court and they ultimately could win it all. They are the, probably the deepest team, probably the most talented team, top to bottom. There's a lot of really good teams. I mean, they're going to play some teams in the, in the building that are built with NBA players and former NBA players, five-star recruits and, and guys like Archie Goodwin, um, you know, those big name players that you might recognize, but this team, they have the talent because of, of a couple of things, but the big thing is Russ Smith. He is going to be the engine that makes this team go. He's going to be one of the leading scorers in the entire tournament. I wouldn't be surprised if he is the leading scorer, but between him and Peyton, they're going to play a lot of pick and roll. They're going to play a high pace game. They're going to have shooters in Kyle Couric uh, and Chris Dow uh, and Nick Mayo. They have a lot of versatility. They got, uh, you know, Dylan Avar. They've got Rakeem Buckles. They've got a, a, just a culmination of talent. They are dripping in everything that you need from uh, length for rebounding to shooting to uh, being able to handle the ball. Uh, so it's going to be a lot of fun. But the big concern for me is the big man situation because it's really Chinanu Anawaku is the only true big man. Uh, and one thing you identify, this is a really good insightful finding from that I, I, I'm going through your notes for the show, was this year is really the year of the traditional big man in TBT. I mean, you're going to see guys here in Louisville like a, a Johnny O'Brien who played at, uh, at LSU, played in the NBA for several years. A guy like Jace Johnson that played for Marquette in, a, uh, in Utah was the leading rebounder in the G League last year. He's a seven-footer who can move. Like, those guys are going to be very impactful. Uh, and if for any reason Shanani Wanawaku gets in foul trouble, yeah, you got you got Shane Bahannon, and yeah, you got Nick Mayo who will stretch the floor, and you could probably put a guy like Earl Clark at the five. You can get away with some lineups that you have, but you really don't have many traditional big men. And that's a little bit concerning in a, in a tournament where uh, it's a, a limit, single elimination. So every single game you could go home and it's all about the right matchups. And if Louisville draws a matchup like an, at Everland Drive in the second round where they could have to face a Johnny O'Brien uh, and uh, Jace Johnson, that could be a real problem for them. Yep. I, I, I honestly think that Louisville fans are going to get acclimated and kind of adopt a couple of guys uh, on this team that were not Louisville Cardinals in college. So that, that'll be interesting. Nick Mayo is, is the name 
that I'm on big time. I think Nick is actually going to be a starter for this team. Yeah, um, I was just having a conversation with my buddy about that, that you thought that. And by the end of it, we both were like, you know what? I think you might be right. Yeah, At first, yeah, because, I'm like, listen to this dumb opinion my friend had. <laughs> you know, and and here, here's my reasoning. So if, if you think back to the uh, 2013 National Championship team, uh, the, the two big men were Gorgie Zhang and uh, Stephen Van Treach, right? And both of those guys were known as mobile kind of uh, pick and pop type of players, guys who could run the floor. And, and Chinano Anawaku is a lot of things, but he is not incredibly mobile. He's much more of a back to the back traditional big man. Now he does have a he does have a mid range game, and as you become a pro, especially in, in the modern age, you have to develop a, a big mid range game to be successful. And I know Chinano Anawaku played in six NBA games and he was 100% from the free throw line shooting underhanded. Nobody can ever take that away from him. Uh, however, I think that Nick Mayo is a better fit um, around a nucleus of a Russ Smith, of a Peyton Siva, of a Chris Dow, of a Kyle Keurig, of a Shane Bahan, and all these guys that can kind of uh, spread you out a little bit. I, I think that that Nick Mayo, if you're not familiar with him, uh, fans are going to love to get familiarized with him. He's a guy who all throughout his career has shot at least 35, 40% from three, but he can muck it up with the best of them. He's a great slasher and cutter in the paint as a big man. Uh, he's a guy who can, who can uh, distribute. Uh, so it'll and be here's a, here's a fun fact for you. You ready yeah, for this? Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Did you know that he is the all-time leading scorer in Eastern Kentucky basketball history? I, I did know that. In the OVC? Yes. Yes. I mean, look, and you pointed this out the other day when we were talking about this. He was Eberlin's drives, like, best player last year on the team that I think they finished in the final five or, or maybe they even finished. I, can't, I really can't remember what the standings shook out. But they, they like, kind of had a team built, not necessarily around him, but he was a starter, core piece. And he's not even Louisville's, like, you know, he could start, but he's not one of Louisville's big names. And he right, came over right. here to join this team that shows you like that. Not only did they, they didn't just go out and pick guys because they played for Louisville. Oh, we wanted to grab this guy. We want to get this guy just because it's a big name. They built out a team that I think that they believe they can win with. And he is a guy that you may not know about, but he could end ultimately being one of the second two, three, four top players on this team. And if you don't mind, let me, let me throw another name out there. Chris Dow. Another Louisville yep. native. I don't mean to b have bias here. Like I look, I, you know, if you know me personally, you know that I don't necessarily like brag about how much I enjoyed high school in terms of the, the quality of experience at Eastern high school, but I did get to watch a lot of really damn good basketball in high school. Uh, I think ultimately 13 or 14 guys went division one during my four years at Eastern. Um, and so to see Chris Dow, who played at Bellarmine national champion, uh, we had him on the podcast right before we launched the state of Louisville life and basketball. And he told his story about climbing the ranks overseas. I mean, this is the guy who was playing in like a C league in France and is now playing in the top league in Israel, uh, for one of the most prestigious teams overseas that, so that really kind of shows you what this team is getting. And that isn't, and we haven't even mentioned Wayne Blackshear. We haven't even mentioned really Shane Bahannon. You know, we haven't really mentioned the addition of Earl Clark, who this week, I mean, that's a one of the most massive names in terms of not only fan popularity, but played in the NBA, won a championship, played alongside of Kobe Bryant. I Earl mean, Sanity, a, baby. That's right. He's back on campus. I mean, that's a huge deal uh, to have him on this team. And it, it's just going to be so fun to have like our childhoods, like all of these players we grew up watching and then ultimately being around in college, like Russ and Peyton all on the floor at the same time. Like, 
you know, that uh, Stephen Rummage said Louisville football right now is better than sex. That might be better than sex. That lineup, seeing these guys on the floor who have w- took Louisville to win championships and final fours and made them this program that they are, they're going to all be together on the same basketball court playing in the same game. That's pretty cool. Sex. Yep. yep. I, I, I will say uh, if you guys keep saying dumb shit like that, I'm going to have some talks with your wives. <laughs> uh, but, but outside of that, I mean, it, you're right, though. It, Honestly, it's, it's metaphorical, man. It's just it's just a metaphor. OK, <laughs> I was about to say it's every time my mom makes feeling. That's what every, it's all about. Every time my mom makes better than sex cake, she doesn't call it better than sex cake. She calls it like better than fun cake, you know, like something stupid like that. What is I have never heard when of you're you've never had than better sex than sex cake. Oh, I've never that. heard of it, man. What well, is yeah, that? well, I'll just sit there and, and be pouty for a second and then ask for a second piece. And I'm like. Mm, it's very good, but it's better than sex. Really? Really? Who named this? Really? I don't, I'm not. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I'm having a weird feeling about this conversation uh, and where it's going, but I've never heard of that cake. That's an interesting cake. Um, I, so uh, anyways, just just to get into some stuff and then, then we'll get into uh, we'll bring bring Andrew on and, and kind of get into the nitty gritty of, of TBT. We'll ask him if he thinks TBT is better than sex. We'll see what his thoughts are on that. Yeah, honestly, uh, that should be the title. TBT <laughs> dot 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 better than sex question mark exclamation point question mark uh but no like i'm i'm interested you're right you know you've been talking about everland drive a lot I, i'm interested in in their their uh, core guard group because you have some very interesting kentucky related names aj slaughter from wku archie yeah. goodwin who is a who is a success story at kentucky uh and then their first guy off the bench probably is gonna be dj cooper um mm-hmm. who who is extremely successful at Ohio. Then down low, they got Jace Johnson. Uh, that, that, that is a solid squad as it is. And they have some pretty quality depth uh, and some Kentucky roots as well. So uh, don't be surprised if you see some people there with, with blue on uh, pulling on a uh, good old Archie Goodwin. Uh, yeah. So. And, and I also, I mean, you can't overlook war ready the first round matchup. I mean, this is another team that's built with guys, um, you know, Auburn necessarily, they've been really successful more recently, but uh, historically haven't always been a, a top program, but they're going to have guys that you'll recognize uh, like a Deshaun Murray, a Danielle Purifoy, Horace Spencer, um, Zeb Jasper, who actually I think played this past year. Um, and then TJ Dunnans. But I mean, overall, besides that, Malik Dunbar, another name, they don't necessarily have some of the big names that Louisville has. I think this game potentially, I mean, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but I think Louisville could ultimately run them out of the gym. I think it's going to take them a little bit to get used playing each other, where this team is a team that's participated together for a few years. But I think Louisville's got the chance to blow them out if they can get their legs underneath them. Uh, and really get a feel for each other because this team is um, they don't necessarily have that one or two guys that can stir the drink score with a Russ Smith. And when you're talking about going against Louisville, like you ultimately at the end of the day, like you've got to be able to limit Russ Smith or else no matter what, even if Peyton's having a bad day, even if Shinano can't get a bucket inside Russ Smith could go for 47 at any given point in this tournament. And he mm-hmm. very well could. He very well could. Um, but my prediction is Louisville's not going to win TBT this year. I think that they're going to get out of the regional, but this is a tournament that takes teams typically a couple of years to kind of get down and figure it out. Uh, and luckily this team is relatively young outside of like a, a, a Neural Clark um, and Rakeem Buckles. This team is young. So I think that you could see them come back for, for runs a couple of years in a row, but I do think they'll make some noise and be a lot of damn fun in the process, man. Yeah. And it's, it kind of stinks to, like that, that's the great thing about TBT, right? Like that if they don't win, it'll leave this like kind of weird taste in everybody's mouths. 
But at the same time, then like if they're one and done, I think that you might never see this Louisville team again. Like I think that they might just be like, you know, because I mean, Peyton, Peyton Stevens at the end of his career, Shane Bahannon is, you know, he's a guy who hasn't been playing basketball for a while. Same with, uh, you know, same with Peyton and Russ, you know, they're out, you know, living their lives and doing, you know, dipping their toes into other entrepreneurial fields and, and stuff like that. You got a, you know, Earl Clark is obviously at, at the very uh, end of his career as well. So a lot of these bigger name guys, this might be the last time that you get a chance to see them. Uh, and, and if they do reconvene next season, it's going to look a lot different than what you see this year. So um, it, we'll, we'll talk to uh, we'll talk to Andrew a little bit on the other side about you know what what, what we're going to be seeing uh, in TBT. And without further ado, going to bring him on. With the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino at chumbacasino.com. Choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Our guest for this week, Andrew Zoldin of the official TBT podcast, Inside TBT. Andrew, how are we doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. I am basically a few hours away from getting on the road to Wichita, getting ready to jump into all things TBT. So I, I'm doing fantastic. Always excited to talk TBT. How are you guys doing? TBT coming to Louisville. That's got to be exciting. It's been something we've been waiting for for a while, I think. I think there was a bit of a tease in 2021, I believe, where a lot of people were led to, not even led to believe, I think it was just kind of a, a thought process that Louisville was going to be involved in the tournament, and there was some feedback there. They weren't ready to take the team until Louisville fully had the roster that that TBT was looking for. So, uh, yeah, definitely, especially after last season, the way that things went for the actual college basketball season for Louisville fans. I think people are just itching to need this. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta fans have it. Just fans need something positive. Yeah. And Andrew, I'll say one thing that's really interesting about this market in particular is I think TBT was kind of a foreign concept leading up into 2020 with the bubble when Ryan McMahon played for the red scare and really had a couple of big games. But prior to that, you know, some, some of the like big basketball fans, it's a very smart fan base who really watches a myriad of basketball but they got to watch guys like Jerry Smith place in some of the early days of TBT. Preston Knowles played. I think Edgar Soso is another guy. <clears throat> and we've had guys along the, the 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 way the last couple of years here locally who have played that maybe weren't Louisville guys. Um, but it's it's been building and building and building. And you talk about this past year 
putting that banner up for the 2013 national championship team, these guys coming back together, it really kind of kicked all of this off. And I, I'm interested to see like how many new regions have you gone into in the last couple of years, like kind of anticipating what the, the crowd might be like, or what the fans might be like, uh, because I would say that this team, like, and what's going to, what it's going to be like out at freedom hall here in a couple of weeks is it's going to be a madhouse, man. Like it is going to be a true college basketball, like fan experience. I, I agree with that 100. percent And what's really cool is we have Wichita as like our established venue and location where everyone there knows about TBT. Everyone there's getting their tickets as if it's an extension of the the college basketball season. Because now I think this is either the third or fourth year in a row, maybe third year in a row that we're we're going to Wichita. So they're ahead of the pack in terms of like ticket sales and what we're expecting attendance wise. But Lubbock and Louisville are kind of neck and neck. Right now, you know, in that second place range. And we're we're so excited about Lubbock and Louisville because we know that the fans are going to be crazy. And when we talk about Freedom Hall, I mean, that's that's a big venue that we're going into in Freedom Hall. And we're expecting it's going to be pretty packed. And, uh, you know, Russ and Siva and those guys have done a great job of, of generating the hype in addition to what, you know, we've been able to do at TBT. But it is. Like we we definitely see how excited the Louisville fans are and how excited the city and the state are to not just have TBT in town, but also the team that's been put together. You you mentioned like 2021, there was some rumblings or guys have played on other teams. Like this, this Louisville roster for the Ville is like what most TBT teams have in their fifth year. Yeah doing TBT, not actually fifth, but their third year, you know, it takes a few years, guys have to see it on TV. And then they're like, Oh, I guess that is something I would be a part of, or, Hey, you know, Russ Smith played in this last year. He had a great time. Now he's calling Peyton Siva trying to convince him to play, but like everyone is on board for this team. Like, I, I I don't know if there's anyone that you guys were like, Ooh, I wish we had this guy, but I feel like everyone on Louisville fans wish lists have hit for this with the exception of, of Luke Hancock, who doesn't play basketball right, professionally right. anymore. So I would, un- I understand the, like the need or the want to have him on the team, but that's more of a nostalgic thing than it is like a, this is the roster that can compete for a TBT championship, which, you know, I definitely think the Ville is going to be competing for a TBT championship here in, in their first year, which is rare and very cool. Yeah. yeah. yeah we Go ahead, Press. Well, I was just going to say, it, it seemed like, you know, I think that that TBT and, 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 you know, the group of guys that were trying to get things off the ground a couple of years ago, uh, I think that it was probably at the time, I think fans were, I wouldn't say upset, but fans were like, well, what the heck? Like, you know, we, we kind of felt like the momentum was there to get it going. And the last few years, to be quite honest with you, as a Louisville fan, have been very, very, I would say difficult. You never say difficult as a fan, right? But it's been, you know, it's, it's, frustrating frustrating yeah yeah so so fans are looking for any reason to get on board especially because if you're a college sports fan uh you know outside of college baseball there's nothing during the dog days of summer so uh for a town that's super hungry for basketball it's going to be fun to to see and if you you know you get online and look at the ticket prices like it's it's very similar to that of a game in the kfc yum center in louisville for a, a regular season basketball game so that's uh, that's been interesting to watch as well. Like, I, you know, I thought that that uh, there would be, you know, kind of enough to go around. And it seems like there's definitely a, a desire and a hunger from the fan base. Then you have the other angle where 
you have a, a group of guys that were on that national championship team in 2013 and everything that's come since then, all the drama and the, the chaos and the nonsense, a lot of these players weren't even allowed back on campus for, you know, three, four, five, six years. I think there's even some controversy with uh, Montrez Harrell. I know Shane Bahannon wasn't allowed to be acknowledged with the 2013 team last season. So there's all kinds of stuff that went on behind the scenes where these guys are finally getting their chance to kind of right the ship. You know, they've had to live under this cloud for the last five or six years. So there's also that aspect that plays into it as well. I'm not sure how much people think like Kansas went through similar stuff and I'm not sure, I'm not sure we think at all about Kansas having any sort of vindication or anything like that uh, for any NCAA punishment or anything like that. Uh, But they also won a national championship like two or three years ago as well. So there's, there's that aspect as well. Louisville won a national championship. They were okay after, after that season while Patino was still here. Uh, And then it's been very rocky since then, since Patino left and the scandal and everything, there's been nothing to really cling to. So it's been fascinating from, from that aspect. I guess my, my question for you, Andrew, if you could just look at this more from a broad scope, if you're a fan that doesn't know much about TBT, I think many people are aware of what the Elam ending is, uh, but a lot of people aren't aware of, of exactly how this is formed. So can you give just kind of a broad scope background of, of how TBT was formed and, and what makes it unique uh, from other levels of basketball? Yeah, well, it was formed, you know, nine tournaments ago. And after this one will be 10 tournaments ago, because this is the the 10th anniversary. I've been involved doing the podcast since the bubble year. Um, the Elam ending, Elam ending, I want to say that was added in 2017 or 2018, uh, which was a, a huge addition. And for, you know, five years, we were the only, TBT was the only league doing it. Now it's kind of been adapted in other ways. And other areas like the G League and Summer League have it for overtime, but that's kind of a different version because the score is always tied in that instance. The the beauty of the Elam ending, which fans will get to see in Louisville in person for the first time, is like a team trailing by five comes back to win very frequently. A team trailing by three comes back to win very frequently. Like the whole point of the Elam ending, and I don't mean to speak for Nick Elam, but you know, one of the points of the Elam ending was that the team losing at the end of the game has a chance to come back because you can't just foul and give the guys free throws. So other leagues are doing it, but the TBT is the true version of it, which is with four minutes left in the game, the clock comes off. You add eight points to the team's winning score. The best example that I like to give is, you know, it's 72 to 70. And then all of a sudden it's first team to 80. I mean, when you think about who you got on the Ville, in this game, all right, in TBT, you got Russ Smith, Peyton Siva, Kyle Curick. Uh, like, those guys are going to absolutely kill it in the Elam ending. Curick will hit two threes, Siva will get a layup, the game will be over. You know, Russ Smith, I, I would put money on Russ Smith having a game in TBT where he scores all eight Elam ending points. That's like, right. that will yeah. probably happen, and that will be absolutely insane. And every TBT social media will be saying, holy shit, Russ Smith just had all eight points in the Elam ending, or Peyton Siva just had four straight unbelievable assists to Nanu or to Earl Clark. I mean, how crazy are all these names that I'm saying? If you're It it really is. Look, I'm going to just real quickly just say this, and I'm not going to ask you this. I told Presley I would, but I want to keep it PG for this part of the episode. 
but we had a local radio commentary, a local, a local radio host mentioned that Louisville football, this is kind of unrelated, but it gets to a point. Uh, Louisville football has been on such a run and just doing so many good things that Louisville football right now is better than sex. And what I said in the previous part of the episode was that getting guys like Russ Smith and Peyton Siva and Kyle Couric and Earl Clark and Shinano Anawaku, all these guys coming together and playing on the same team across all these eras for Louisville basketball fans. Like right now, that is the sex that they need. Like totally is because these players cross a number of generations uh, and they are all fan favorites. I mean, it's just crazy how they can flip a roster like this in in a matter of no time. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I, I agree with you. I agree with the verbiage that you're using. I agree with the with the examples that you're using. But I also think that Louisville football right now is probably a bigger brand than Louisville basketball because just Lamar Jackson alone is yeah. the, part of the reason for that. But I kind of think there could be some pressure on the Louisville basketball program when they see the output and reaction from you know, the games at Freedom Hall from TBT. I mean, there's going to be guys being like, hey, this is what it used to be like. We can get it back to this. We can do this. We can, You know, I saw that the guy in Louisville had like 12 points, didn't miss against Kentucky. The guy who's on the BAL team. Yeah. yeah I'm yeah. up to date. I'm up okay, to date. Yeah. Like, I like this, man. This is great. Don't you think it's a little bit like disappointing, though, that like that's what that's what Louisville basketball fans are so excited about, though, right exactly. now? Exactly. Yes. season tournament in Africa, you know. A guy on the team played well against Kentucky. Like the fan base is kind of grasping at straws right now. Anything, man. It's dark days, man. Kentucky fans were excited about a practice, or they were they were defending their team because a practice player was going going to work on on uh, one of their their current stars. Uh, So yeah, we're it's it's dark days here in in the state of Kentucky. So uh, um, they're going to turn it around. This is going to be the start. This is going to be the start. I feel that. You need yeah, something and like this. It, They're going to be scrimmaging together, you know, the week leading up. Mm-hmm. And Peyton Siva is a big advocate. He's going to be like, hey, guys, watch us this weekend. This is what, you know, Louisville basketball really can be. Yep. I, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, and Andrew, to kind of bring you up to date as well, I know you discuss a lot of teams and, and, and the way that a lot of this plays out uh, across the country. Uh, and and I, I think it should be noted as well that, this team is practicing with Louisville, current Louisville players every day. They're coming to have speaking engagements uh, with, with the current Louisville team around as well. So is that something that's common, like say like a Wichita State or a Texas Tech that you mentioned, West Virginia, something like that? Are fans getting behind this team? And is there kind of a, almost an example being set or a, a culture a standard that's being held because of TBT teams that are coming back? Or is this something that, it's kind of more unique to Louisville. No. So unfortunately it's not unique to Louisville, but it is a good thing that Louisville is not skipping out on it because there's some teams that are, you know, skipping out on having a training camp or they have guys who are just finishing up overseas. So they can't really do the full training camp, but it's kind of become the norm for the alumni teams and the non-alumni teams do it too. It's just not at, you know, their college 
campus, but the alumni teams have training camps at their colleges. The Buffalo team, the team that won last year, they've lost one game ever in TBT. They're 10 and one and their one loss, Wes Clark, who's a bucket. I'm sure you guys know him. He was hurt. They have a big training camp in Buffalo. Like that, that's just become kind of the norm is having a training camp and then riding it into TBT. So no, Louisville's not unique, but they are doing the right things. You know, these guys have been, I, I've been seeing clips for months of these guys playing pickup together. And even like Omar Pruitt and Chris Dow, the non-Louisville guys have been at all the, the pickup stuff. They've been at all the things. Yeah. I mean, it's so no, not unique, but they are doing the right things. I, I've been talking to a lot of GMs. I've been talking to a lot of players. They're like, yeah, training camp starting this week, this week, starting that week. I don't know if Ohio state is doing the same thing this year, but Ohio state every year has alumni week where the alumni come in and the years that they've played in TBT, they've lined that up with, you know, a TBT training camp. So it's, it's one of the things that all college programs have started to do. Like I saw that, you know, Jared Allen was with the Texas guys yesterday, spoke to the team. So like all, all the teams are doing it. And it, and it's because over the summer players come home. So right, right. as long as you've got all the guys around, it, it's going to happen. And, but I do think that Louisville has done it for longer than these other teams. And part of it, I think, is because Russ and Peyton, I feel like they've been home since like February or right. April, whatever it is. So they've, they've done a lot more than the average team, I would say. But most teams are locked in by this point. You know, they yeah. got a weekend of training camp or so, and then they go, you know, to their regional. Louisville doesn't have to travel, which is nice. Yeah, for sure. Well, let me ask you this, right? So just in that same theme of overarching TBT and kind of what makes a team successful, I, I, as somebody who's watched the last couple of years, I don't, maybe not you, but the blue collar you winning it all last year really was a little bit of a surprise. I mean, I'm very familiar with a guy like CJ Massenberg of watching college basketball. I do, as you mentioned with Wes Clark as a, as a bucket um, and they were a really good squad, but you wouldn't expect a Buffalo team to come in his, historically and win a tournament like that with some of the, you know, West Virginia's, the Bayheim's army, some of these big names that have won throughout the years as alumni teams. So let me ask you what, in your opinion, right? If you're building a team, what constitutes a good TBT team? Like, what is the recipe that you put together to concoct a championship team? Yeah, so there's two answers to that. There's the alumni team answer and the non-alumni team answer, but they both kind of relate. So you really do need guys that have experience playing together. So on the non-alumni team side, they usually are not doing it in their first year. Um, only one non-alumni team has ever won, Overseas Elite. And they won it their first year in it in 2015, but they ended up winning four. So by the time they were winning their second, third, fourth, they had played, you know, 20 games together. They had practiced all that. So they're the exception to the rule to where like they were, they became a dynasty. They had played together for a while. You have to have played together in some sort. So whether that's the core of your team played together in college, or you guys are always playing pickup together. Buffalo team is a great example. Those guys all played together in college. They upset Arizona, and then the next year they were in the top 25 the whole year. They were a really, really good college team. It's all, literally the team from college playing together. So they came into it right away and had all the experience. And the other thing that you need is you need role players that can fit in anywhere. You know, when Ohio State won, they had a guy by the name of Jeff Gibbs He didn't or Carmen's crew. He didn't go to Ohio State, but he was from Columbus. The ultimate role player, just like a stretch for 
Stretch four in the sense that he was undersized. So undersized four, rebound, move the ball, score, great defender. Like that's a guy that fits in on any team. So you need guys that played together and have experience playing together. But then if you're adding others that haven't played together, they have to be the ultimate role player. And I don't mean ultimate role player like you don't need to score your points, but like the ultimate fit in in any situation. Tyrese Rice and DeAndre Kane and DJ Kennedy, they joined the team when Bayheim's Army won. They never played with the Syracuse guys, but they are the ultimate teammates, the ultimate like Tyrese Rice could probably start in the NBA and fit in on any team. Like he's just he just fits in, right. you know, so like Dominique Jones. He's joining the sideline cancer team. He's going to fit in right away. He's the ultimate fit in guy. So if you're going to have guys that haven't played with you before, you need guys that could play with anyone and that make anyone better. It's almost like, like LeBron in a sense, if you put LeBron on any team, he he's giving you guys a chance to win. Even if it's the first time these people have ever picked up a basketball because he just can pick up so quickly on, on game tendencies and stuff like that. So you need guys like that. And I think Chris Dow and Omar Pruitt are great examples of that based on what I've been reading and what I've been seeing in like, yeah, they've played in some pickup together, but even if they had never played together, these are guys that fit in wherever they go. Yeah. They fit in where they go overseas. They fit in, you know, as compliments to Siva, Russ, Keurig, mm-hmm. Blackshear. So like you just, you need the perfect combination of guys who have played together and role players and Buffalo just showed up with a full team that had played together and the guys who hadn't played together, they had a guy, Edric Dennis. Okay. Call him Ed. He, his first year, he played a lot last year. He was like the locker room vocal guy. You may have even seen the video. He's like, we're not effing losing to these guys. We're not like, and they were like up 15 at half and he was screaming at them like that. Like he was the perfect locker room guy for someone that didn't go to he went to TCU nowhere near Buffalo you know so like you just you need guys like that and the teams that find them do well a great example last year the Texas Tech team had a guy by the name of Shondre Jones this is a great TBT story they had Shondre Jones all right he was arguably the best player on their team last year averaged 30 a game okay this year Texas Tech year two of the Air Raiders experience He's not on the team. They have too many, you know, Texas Tech alumni. They kind of over-recruited him, and they he's not on the team. So what does he do? He goes and he joins the Texas team, all right, right. Austin's own, and now they could play in the second round. But, like, that was a coveted TBT free agent where any team he would have been perfect for, a guy that can just score and move the ball. So, like, he and the Texas Tech fans on Twitter all the time say to him, we wish you were still on the team. Like we wish you had to, we wish you had you. So like the glue guys, and it's so funny because, and this is a long winded answer, but like the non-alumni guys so quickly become beloved by the alumni schools. I remember people were literally saying Illinois needs to build Mike Dom a statue yeah. Campaign yeah. because of how good he was yeah. in, the TV, in the TVT bubble. So like you just become beloved by these yeah by these fan bases, which is, it's, it's cool that that happens. Like if, if Chris Dow hits an Elam Ender to send Louisville to the quarterfinals or the elite eight, like he will have a statue outside of the, <laughs> yeah. the Yum Center. Yeah. Here's a fun fact for you. Okay. And I don't have the research to back this up, but I think this is true. 
my high school here in Louisville, Eastern High School, has the most guys playing in TBT this year. I believe that there are a total of four guys from Eastern High School that are be that will be playing in TBT. Remy Abel plays for Zip 'Em Up, had been on sideline cancer. Uh, Trey Moses was from Ball State, plays overseas. I forget who he's playing with. Uh, you have Chris Dow, who obviously is playing for the Louisville team. Um, and then there's one more who I'm missing off the top of my head, uh, and it's going to absolutely kill me. But it's really interesting that the high school that I went to has got all these guys playing in the tournament. And it goes, it's another step of showing you just like the interest in this city the last couple of years, even for guys who didn't necessarily play at U of L. Um, and it's going to be it. interesting to see how those, you know, now that Louisville has a team, how fans become much more attached to this team and, and how some, maybe some of those guys like a Chris Dow, like a Remy Abel could eventually end up playing for this team. Let yeah, me ask you, go funny ahead. that you mentioned Remy Abel real quick. I was driving through Chicago today and I saw him wearing a TV t-shirt. And I rolled down the window and said, what's up? I mean, I'm 99% sure it was him. Yeah, um, if not the guys like Remy right. Abel, I don't know, not me. But it's funny that you mentioned him today, <laughs> of all people. Yeah, right, exactly. So the, the, that's the, the bloodline of basketball here in Kentucky is rich. There's no doubt about that. But let me ask you a little bit about style of play, because obviously in the NBA and in college basketball, we're seeing more and more of the traditional big man kind of phased out of the game and and, and becoming more of this kind of, um, you know, well-rounded, uh, being able to shoot, pop, pick and pop, being able to handle the ball, uh, being able to do a little bit of everything. And you don't see more of those kind of burly traditional big men thrive. Uh, but this year, what I think makes a lot of the roster makeup really interesting is there are a ton of traditional big men playing in this tournament. Chinano Anawaku for Louisville is a great example. Louisville will face Johnny O'Brien uh, and Jace Johnson potentially in the second round with Everland Drives. So, I mean, that's in this region, it's rich for big men. But I want to ask you, what is it like for the big men in terms of just the overall style of play? Like, can you win with a dominant guy that you feed the post with? Or is that more of like a secondary type of deal in this tournament? Yeah, I mean, big men get overshadowed in TBT, but they're still really good. I'll give you a few names. Nick Perkins, maybe a little less traditional of a big man because he's a little undersized and can step back and shoot, but he's also like just a monster down low. He was on the all-tournament team last year. Like we, we basically the the TBT community was deciding between Wes Clark, CJ Massenberg, and Nick Perkins for MVP, and really none of those guys would have been the wrong answer. It ended up up ultimately going to CJ just because he was kind of like the facilitator of everything. But Nick Perkins was an absolute beast last year and he will be again this year. Um, so that kind of breaks that, that stereotype right there. Another name, Keith Clanton, he's always went to uh, either UCF or USF. One of the two, he's on the Florida TNT challenge ALS merge team, which is challenge ALS Florida. And he, he literally eats all day long in the paint. Like they, you just throw him the ball down low and he scores. So like, if you have a really, really good big man, yeah. you can use it to your advantage. Trevor Thompson on the red scare Dayton alumni, really good pick and roll guy, you know, John flowers and Kevin Jones on best Virginia. Those are their two best players might not be this year. Cause they've added some younger guys, but like Kevin Jones was so, so good last year. Like if you have a good big man, he can he can he can succeed in TBT. But if you're building a team from scratch, you probably want to get the guards first and then kind of figure out the big men later. But if you have a big man at your disposal, you want him and you want to take advantage of it. And Nick Perkins is a great example. Trevor Thompson, 
like I said, Delroy James on uh, Autism Army, now their program for autism. He's he's definitely a little smaller as well, but he was really, really good last year. And the reason that these guys are a little smaller is because the big, big men are, yeah, are in the NBA. Yeah, right. You know? Right. So if, if Nick Perkins was three inches taller, he'd be guarding Jokic, you yeah. know, and I, I think Nick Perkins is good enough to be an NBA player regardless, but like they are a little smaller. Keith Clanton is just uh, immovable, but he's too slow to guard guys in the NBA, but he's immovable. So he might get beat on defense a few times, but he also gets a lot of blocks, you know, like the guards get kind of like the highlights because in TBT, they're more than likely hitting a crazy step back jumper. Elam Ender, they're getting to the bucket. They're they're dropping dimes. But, I mean, when you check the box scores, there's going to be these big men that have, you know, 20-point games. Nan is a great example. I think he's going to be great in TBT. But he's going to be as great as Russ yeah. and Siva kind of let him be. And I don't necessarily mean them being selfish. But, like, if Russ starts off the game hot – then they're going to have to double Russ and then they're going to pick and roll to Shinanu. You know, like, it's like, it starts with the guards. Keith Clanton is the the one true example of their offense is throw the ball into Keith Clanton down low and let him turn around and score. But there's some good big men in the tournament. We, we caught a little bit of heat because we didn't have a ton of big men in the MVP odds, right. but uh, Nick Perkins included was like, y'all don't like MVP or y'all don't like big men, but the, the, there's some good big men zip them up. Karim Cantor. He's one of the best players in TBT. That's another, I mean, all these guys can shoot now. Every big yeah. man can shoot besides, I, I can't even really think of any big men, even in the NBA that can't shoot. Like there's literally none that are coming to my mind. I'm sure right. I'm, I'm blanking on some, but like go down the list of centers, I mean, even the Bull, the Chicago Bulls, I'm a Bulls fan, Vucevic, yeah. all right, he's a shooter. He's the one of the biggest centers in the league. Like, all these guys can shoot now. Yep, yeah, I think it's a kind of a necessity, and I think that's ultimately why – one of the reasons why Shinani Wanawaki didn't have a long NBA career, he has a bit of – I'm not sure if people are familiar with this, but he has a bit of a hand uh, – I don't know if it's the – I don't know if you call it a hand defect or something like that, but that's the reason why he shoots free throws underhanded because he has just a weird spin that he puts on the ball that is even more inhibitive of making shots uh, because he's seven, six, 11, seven feet tall. So uh, one person I did want to bring up though, you know, we talked about how successful big men are starting to become in this tournament, uh, but adversely, do you think this is still a, a league where small ball can win? Because you have a team like Louisville that they could have an Earl Clark, maybe at the five and Nick Mayo could definitely play the five. Uh, I, I've, you know, Jacob and I have been back and forth. He thought I was kind of crazy at first for thinking this. And I think he's kind of come on board with me. I think Nick Mayo is a starter caliber player for Louisville. Um, you know, I think, I think Mayo and, and Chinana Onowaku are similar in what they can bring to the table as far as the, the level of play that they can bring, but they bring two different facets of the game. So right. you could have a game where you see Mayo play 30 minutes and then the next game he plays 10 minutes. Uh, so that that'll be fascinating to play off of. But yeah, is is that is there an instance where we could see like a Earl Clark and Rakeem Buckles, you know, mucking it mucking it up down low or Shane Bahannon playing? Yeah, six five foot five Shane Bahannon. You got you got yeah. him guarding a seven footer type of deal. Yeah, I mean these these guys are smart. All all the coaches in TBT are smart. All the players are smart. There there's it's a long game before the Elon ending. It's a little shorter than NBA in college, but 
still enough time to adjust and see what's going on and see what's happening. If the other team has a big man that is rebounding well and scoring well, and it's close in the Elam ending, I doubt, you know, there's going to be a massive change to get all the scores and shooters out there for the Ville because, you know, that big man would still be able to turn around, face up and dominate even against a small lineup. And when you only need, you know, four buckets and really only need three, if you hit three, three or two threes in a, in a layup, like you can't really afford to like have a crazy mismatch disadvantage. So I do think there will be small ball lineups and there will be things that will be effective, but, and I know you didn't really ask this specific of it, but I doubt that there will be a scenario where they try to get the advantage with a smaller lineup, like putting Keurig at the five or, mm-hmm. or something crazy like that. But I do think there will be teams, the Ville included, that have smaller lineups, have a lot of shooting, and it has potential to push them out to big leads. But, I mean, there's just good big men all over this tournament. The guards, you know, Marcus Keene is a perfect example of that. He could have 15 points and a big man could have 25, and his 15 is probably going to be flashier. It's probably going to be cooler. That's just the nature of, of how it looks and what happens. I, I can't see there being a situation where – Shinanu's out there and it's hurting the Ville or Buckles is out there and it's hurting the Ville. I could see a scenario where the other team goes small and then they say, okay, we can't have Buckles and and Nanu both out here, but I can't see a scenario where like they're doing something against a regular lineup. That's a cause for concern. But I do think this, this team and this, these potential lineups are are crazy because you really could throw at like I have no clue who's going to start for right. the bill because right. like yeah you want Russ and Steve out there but I, I've been hearing that Chris Dow is one of the one of the best guys on the team like he's still active overseas yeah, coming off an unbelievable season overseas so like I, I mean. I don't know how you're not going to not start Ross and Siva in the, in back in freedom hall, obviously the first game, but like, I don't know what this starting lineup is going to be. I don't know what the closing lineup is going to be. Hopefully they're going to figure that out over the next, you know, 10 days or whatever it is, six, seven days to during camp and stuff. But, you know, I've been hearing about this, this backup big man on the, on the real Louisville team. So maybe he'll, he'll show the Ville some trouble in, <laughs> in, uh, in training camp and they'll have to rethink their lineups. Dude, I I love that you pointed that out because that's so, it's just so indicative of the state of the Louisville fan base. I love it so much. Like you you already have a good pulse on this fan base, which is great. Uh, But speaking of that, I was going to say you, you have a probably a better pulse on, on TBT as a whole than, than almost anybody out there. And, And so you probably have a good understanding of the perception of, of, you know, the, the top level teams in this tournament, how is Louisville perceived? Are they perceived as one of the favorites? I know, you know, some of, some of the, some of the odds kind of lend toward them being a top quarter tier team, right? W- would you say that, that people see them in general as, you know, one of the top five or 10 teams in this tournament? So unfortunately the way the tournament is set up is a little different from March Madness in the sense that the one seed is playing the eight seed which means in the second round, the one seed is already now playing a team that is ranked as, you know, a four or five seed. In the Vils case, they're the two seed. So that means in the second round, they're potentially playing, you know, a a three seed right away in the second round of the tournament. So they could lose to a three seed 
in the tournament. And it's not that ridiculous for them to lose to a three seed in the second round. I think both of the teams that they might potentially play Everline drive or um, Everline drive or the Jackson underdogs, the Jackson underdogs have some really good guards. So like, I think that's a potential crazy matchup. DeSante Bradford and Jalen Barford, like that would be a crazy second round matchup to match up with Russ and Siva. So while I do think they're one of the favorites, there's not really besides the first round, a time where they would lose, where it would be like shocking. And that's just because instead of playing, you know, the seven seed or the nine seed in the second round as a two seed, you're playing or that the seven seed of the 10 seed, you're playing the three seed right away in the second round. And yes, there's the same amount of teams. So, you know, if it was a bigger regional, but it just, it would be set up differently. Even their first round matchup against war ready, like the Auburn alumni, they're, they're not a 16 seed, you know, they're, they're a seven, they're a seven seed. So yes, they're one of the favorites, but also you look and, and you see like, Oh shit, the second round matchup right away is, is, you know, a team that you would see in, the elite eight in March madness, you know, so that that's the only thing that would scare me a little bit um, in terms of, you know, picking them in a bracket or picking them to win at all is the fact that these second round matchups are going to be crazy. I mean, you look, you look all across TBT and second in the second round, it might be, you know, the, the Xavier alumni against the money team, Floyd Mayweather's team, which is a team that's, you know, in the elite eight or so, or the final eight semifinals, quarterfinals every year. Like these are, these are tough, tough second round matchups for all of these one seeds and all these host seeds. So it it really, like, it sounds funny, but just these teams like the Xavier alumni, Louisville alumni, Kansas alumni, even a team like the money team, like all these guys could win TBT or they could lose in the second round. And no one's going to sit there and say it's a massive upset. Yeah, I think it's interesting, though. I think here in Louisville, without some of the uh, context that the fact like an Everlyn Drive is one of the uh, most tenured teams in TBT history. They've been to the finals, what, I think three, two or three times. They've finished in the final four several other times, and they've got a roster with guys like Archie Goodwin and Johnny O'Brien and Emmett Williams and even Auburn. I mean, the, we went through the roster when we recorded the first part of the show, and it's not horrible. you got guys like Deshaun Murray and Dan, uh, Danielle Purifoy and some well-known Auburn names. Like, of course, it's not a, a Bruce Brown and some of the other uh, big names that they've had over the, the last couple of years, but it's still a really solid team who has played in the tournament before, um, and you just never know. And when it comes down to, you know, Preston and I had this conversation, are you taking Louisville or the field? In my opinion, I'm taking the field just because I think there's still a number of things Louisville hasn't. They need experience, right? This is a damn good team. Russ Smith could be the leading scorer in the tournament when it's all said and done, if Louisville gets the chance to go that far. But they don't well, have the experience be, in a lot of ways. He could be the leading scorer, and they could lose in two games. And he could right. have 36 over the two games, and, and they lose. I mean, that would be crazy if that happened. But like there, there's a scenario where he's all world, like re- TBT record breaking, and it's just not enough in the second round against Barford and Bradford, or it's not enough in the the quarterfinal game if the Air Raiders come over from from Lubbock. You know, any team that they play at any point besides the first round is going to be coming off a run and is going to be thinking they could beat anyone because there's no 16 seed or anything like that. All these teams. I mean, the seven seeds, the eight seeds, the six seeds, even the five seeds, they all feel underseeded. Every team thinks they should be seated higher. 
And I haven't even mentioned the gutter cats who, you know, made it to the quarterfinals last year. That's a team that DeVille would potentially play in the third round. Like every step of the way, there's a hard matchup, which makes this tournament so great. Like I, I'm looking at my bracket and there's a world where it's Xavier, Louisville, Kansas, and West Virginia alumni teams in the final four. And there's also a world where the final four is, you know, the Buffalo or the, the semifinals is just the Buffalo alumni who just run through TBT again, the aftershocks who, who run through TBT again, or team Heartfire, who's a non-alumni team, you know, the money team, uh, air Raiders, or like bleed green, the North Texas alumni and the gutter cats. Like there's, there's a world where the quarterfinals is all alumni teams. There's a world where all the alumni teams lose early. Like it's just, it's, it's so hard to predict the Elam ending makes it harder to predict, but it more makes the end of games kind of harder to predict. Like if a team's up 15 going to the Elam ending, they're, they're the better team. Like they're, they're 9.9 out of 10 times going to win that game. I, I think, I know you didn't ask me this directly, but blue collar, you Buffalo, they are for sure the favorite. They're the overall number one seed. If TBT had that them losing at any point before the quarterfinals would be that, in my opinion, would actually be shocking. The Ville losing in the second round would stink for Louisville fans, but it wouldn't be shocking. Blue collar, you losing, you know, before the third round, before the quarterfinals would be shocking considering they've lost one game ever. And last year they just, bulldoze their way to a TBT championship outside of them losing in the first or second round. There's nothing in this tournament that would shock me. I like the way that you put that too, because I think it resonates a bit with fans, the way that TBT is almost kind of captured the essence of the NCAA tournament in a sense. I mean, you have the bracket, you have the win and go home. Like there's, you know, you're off for, for five minutes of a game and that could cost you, the tournament, you know, and, and I think that that's kind of what they ca- they've captured here is that kind of magic of of the NCAA tournament. Now, you don't have the full season build up, and there's you know, but I think a lot of that's canceled out by the by the Elam ending because as you suggested, you can't coast into a victory like a 16 versus a one may do. A 16 seed is down by 30, and they put in their you know walk on seniors, and and you know everybody's asleep for the last 10 minutes of the game. Like that's not going to happen here. Like you got to finish, you got to finish the game strong, no matter what. So uh, I, I like that you're taking kind of old care characteristics that have been tried and true and really successful and drawn a lot of eyes. And you've there's definitely like a, a mixture of new excitement, which I think is 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 a fascinating way to go about this. Uh, if if you're a Louisville fan, and we'll kind of we'll make this our last question here. If you're a Louisville fan and you're looking at the first three potential opponents, so that's the for fans who aren't familiar. The first three games, if Louisville continues to win, they'll play in Louisville. Um, if you're a fan and you're looking at this roster, is it the gutter cats that that fans should be the most aware of? Uh, what what what's the team that that you would say is the most likely to knock them out? I would I would be very afraid of the Jackson Tennessee underdogs for multiple reasons. One, if they win their first round game, then it's proof that they are underseeded as a six seed. And if they win their first round game, it's going to be cut. It's going to be because DeSanta Bradford and Jalen Barford, you know, were insane in the opening round matchup. And they have the ability to do that the whole entire tournament. The gutter cats, if they get to that point, 
would be a team to watch out for, but I would not overlook, you know, the winner of, I wouldn't overlook war ready, but I really wouldn't overlook the winner of Eberline drive and the underdogs. I mean, the best player on Eberline drive, in my opinion, is AJ slaughter. And he's a guy Another that Louisville native. Let's go. Yeah, he, he actually almost played on the Louisville team. Like he was yep. deciding between staying with Eberline drive and playing on the Louisville team. And then when he found out he could play, for Everline Drive, who he's played with forever, and get to play in Louisville in front of his, you know, family and friends. He ultimately decided to stay with Everline Drive, but he is a really good guard. So, like, if you have to play him in the second round, now all of a sudden, like, Siva's got his match, you know, and your your match in Siva. So, I, I would say that the winner of that second round matchup is going to be a team right away that can give Deville trouble. You you guys mentioned earlier, you asked if. You could take the Ville or the field. Who would you take? And you said you'd take the field. I 100% back that on the full tournament. I do think the Ville or the field in the regional. So basically, that's more of what I meant was when I was talking that, about the regional. Yeah, that's that, interesting. Like, yeah. Like, will the Ville reach the, the Ville reaching the quarterfinal or the field? I do think that would be like the Ville plus. 700 in the field would be like minus 300, you know, just because of the statistics of one team versus, you know, however many teams, but I don't hate that, you know, question right there. I think they have the potential to get to that quarterfinal matchup, which is at Freedom Hall. And if you're at that point, the fans are into it. Like possibilities are endless. If all of a sudden they're looking at themselves in that quarterfinal game at Freedom Hall which will be one of the craziest, if not the craziest environments in TBT history. If the Air Raiders fly in from Lubbock to Louisville to play the Louisville team in Freedom Hall. I don't think it'll be too electric if it's, you know, Gunner Cats versus the North Texas alumni in Freedom Hall. But if it's, it'll be an awesome game. That'd be a really cool matchup. But if it's Air Raiders versus the Ville from a attendance standpoint will be, I mean, those Texas Tech fans will drive to, Louisville for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a bit, a bit of a ways from, from West Texas to, to Louisville, but just like, just like how Louisville would travel there. I think it's very, very similar. You know, uh, there's, there's a certain faction of the fan base that's passionate and they'll, they'll attend almost anything. So uh, it's, it's, I cannot wait to, to get into this and, and start watching uh, TBT. There's so many fascinating storylines. Uh, obviously we're covering it more from the Louisville perspective, but Overall, I think fans will enjoy watching, especially from your perspective in your bracket, you know, enjoying these teams, seeing some of the old familiar names. Um, so I'm very interested in watching that. Uh, Andrew Zolden, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, tell us where we can find you. Yeah, so you can follow me at Andrew Zolden, which is Z-O-L-D-A-N, but follow Inside TBT because that's where, you know, all the TBT content from me is going to be coming out. Well, the TBT main account as well, of course, but you're probably all, if you're listening to a TBT podcast, you're probably already following the Ville and following at the tournament. So give at inside TBT a follow post game interviews. I'm going to Wichita. And I'm going to have, it's actually a great place to follow inside TBT because I won't be at every single Louisville game. So you'll get, you know, kind of, if you're following the Ville and you're following inside TBT, you'll get a lot of the the tournament. So yeah, right. definitely give inside TBT a follow. I, I want to come on and talk some, some regular Louisville basketball, some 
you know, regular season Louisville basketball with you guys once once the season's been. I got to find out how my backup big man's doing, you know, come <laughs> come the season. Is so, that more exciting than talking to Paul basketball? To Paul basketball, I'm, I mean, I, I live in Chicago. I'm from Chicago, but I went to Mizzou. I have an Ohio State podcast, so those are my two teams. So if Louisville and Mizzou or Louisville and Ohio State ever match up, I'm your guy. Let's go. That, Let's man. go. I love that. But being a Chicago native, though, just a little quick side note, and fans will, I think, appreciate this. Look up DePaul Day. Just type in – get on your Google, type in DePaul Day, Louisville. And then, uh, and, and just enjoy the. Yeah, that'll be your homework assignment for when you come back on the show. We'll, we'll right. have you on and we'll, we'll just dissect your thoughts on DePaul Day because it really is a fascinating concept here locally. All right. I will look it up. There I, you I, go, I man. Heard of it, but I will look it up. I was actually in Louisville a few weeks ago. Um, I came to do some stuff with Russ, which was so cool. And I was hanging out with him and Siva, got to be in the gym with them. They look ready. They look ready. Um, I mean, Russ wakes up ready. Siva probably needs to stretch a little bit to get ready, but Russ literally wakes up ready. Like I think he could roll out of bed and like as he's rolling out of bed, like get a ball past him and hit a three. Yeah, hit a three. Ne- the next time you're on, we'll have to talk rest stories. because yeah, uh, I'm I'm sure this man's gonna be pre-gaming at Waffle House like 10 minutes before the game starts. So that's how he rolls. Uh, Andrew, thank you so much for your time. Uh, We look forward to hopefully uh, chatting with you here soon and and, uh, look forward to following your coverage. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me on. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.